Hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the next episode of What the Puck. This is now episode 11. I'm your host, John D'Amico. Before we get into today's episode, um, first off, apologies for last week for the uh, sick voice I had and also the uh, audio uh, cut out and the frames dropped. So the whole episode didn't even record, which kind of sucks, which was uh, it cut me off after like 14 minutes and I think it was going on for about 25, 26. But you know what? That's okay. Um, we're going to have a good episode today. And a lot of uh, sports news happening around the world besides hockey. March Madness started today, so uh, I hope everyone did their uh, bracket. I have Arizona over Gonzaga, for anyone who wants to know my bracket. Then we got the NFL, NFL offseason happening. Uh, my Jets have made a bunch of moves, but a whole lot of uh, stars around the league signing, like Von Miller, J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, all going to new teams. Um, Brandon Sheriff, big uh, pro bowler, another guy. And then the baseball offseason has continued or recontinued ever since they, uh, um, MLB and MLBPA have finally uh, reached an agreement. And now we got guys like Freddie Freeman on the move, Chris Bryant. Uh, my Mets traded for Chris Bassett, so that's always good. Bunch of signings, bunch of moves. It's literally a uh, crazy week. And then the NHL trade deadline, you know, there's moves coming in and out. I don't think I'm going to talk much about the deadline till after it's done, trying to see all the bigger moves. But there are some moves that have happened, such as, I believe, uh, guys, Frankie Vitrano went to my Rangers. Um, then we had Callie Yarncroft to the Flames. And then the last move I remember from yesterday was Ben Sherratt, a Florida Panther. But we do all we do have some other stuff to get into. The uh, NHL t- trade deadline will have to wait until after next week because the trade deadline ends Monday. So we'll see all the big moves. We'll talk about the winners. But that'll be next week's episode. This week, first, we're going to start off with the Heritage Classic that happened over the weekend. So for anyone who doesn't know, that was the uh, outdoor game in Canada or... It was in ha- Hamilton, Ontario. Between usually it's between two t- Canadian teams, but uh, the Buffalo Sabers were the away team in this one. They were the first American team to participate in this event as they took on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I guess we can uh, break down the game, break down uh, what happened basically. So for anyone that doesn't know, the Buffalo Sabers whooped the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right, they whooped them badly. Oh boy, now where where do we even begin? First off, I have to say that the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a whole lot of trouble. They are in a whole lot of trouble. They lost 5-2 in this game. And it's not just this game. Um, I'm sure Leaf fans are pretty stressed and anxious the way their team has played over the past uh, week or so. Or not even week, but I'd say this this entire month of March, maybe a little even before that. But... The Toronto Maple Leafs defense sucks. They are terrible. They need help majorly and quick, fast, and hurry. And also the uh, goalie, uh, the goaltending situation sucks right now because they have no Jack Campbell since he is uh, injured. And right now they're running with uh, Peter Morazic and Eric Calgren. I don't know if I pronounced Calgren's name right, but hopefully I did. And right now they need a uh, netminder and they need help on the blue line. So... The way I see it is they have their defensive core, you know, Morgan Wiley is a, a great defenseman to have. Obviously, put him on your number one pair. But then you got, you're filling out the top four with TJ Brody, Labushkin, and Justin Hole. Now, they're each individually good at certain things, but 
to have that as your top four defenseman ain't cutting it at all. Now, I do know that uh, Jake Muzzin will be coming back soon. I don't know exactly when, but Jake Muzzin's a great defensive defenseman, that penalty killer. He's a tough defenseman, which the Leafs have a pretty soft uh, defensive core, I'd say. So he'd be their uh, biggest threat to keep the puck out of the net. He plays harder against the other forwards on uh, teams, which is actually a problem for the Leafs right now. They're, they don't have a sizable defense, and uh, most of them are offensive-minded. So... It's it's not a bad thing to have some offensive defensemen, but you gotta have guys that can know how to keep the puck out. And then also Muzzin be their most experienced guy with uh, playoffs. He's won, he won a few cups back when he was with the Kings, um, so he does have that. Uh, he knows what it takes to win. And I think the Leafs need to need to make two moves. I think their offense is fine. They could score goals at will. Um, they they have they even have the depth uh, on and size on the bottom this year. So I don't think that's the issue at all with them. But I do think they need to trade for a top four defenseman. Someone that can, maybe he's got a little bit of offense, but someone that can uh, keep the puck out of the net. You know, someone, I, I would have to, I, I wouldn't even know who's available, right? Actually, we can actually take a look um, who's available to see what kind of defenseman. And they do need, they need another goalie. Even if Jack Campbell comes back, I don't know when he's coming back, but Peter Mrazek has been hor- horrific. They they have been a- he's been an actual uh, dumpster uh, fire, I'd say, and they just don't have the uh, what can I how can I say they they don't have the um, the defense to help help him out uh, like he was in Carolina. So uh, when he was with Carolina, his uh, numbers are pretty inflated, I'd say, but. That's because they had a really good system and a really good defensive core around him. But the Leafs, you know, there there's there's some guys they can uh, go after uh, for defenseman-wise. Uh, maybe go after an, a Hampus Lindholm. You know, the Ducks are started being sell mode. He's got a year left. He's 28 years old. He can uh, help keep the puck out of the net. Maybe they go after a guy like Mark Giordano from the uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad guy. Maybe uh, Justin Braun. You know, he's more of a top six guy, but we're, we, there's still plenty of guys. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they make a blockbuster for a guy like Klingberg or uh, a Jacob Chitrin, the bigger defenseman out there. But you know, you never know what happens. So they do need a defenseman, and that goalie they need. Maybe they go after Mark Andre Fleury. You know, he's got the uh, playoff experience. The uh, I th- I think he's the, probably the best guy in the market. Or maybe they sell for someone like. Uh, Someone that's struggling, kind of struggling, maybe needs a change of scenery, like an Alexander Georgiev or a Jonas Corposalo. Maybe that's how they solve the goaltending issue. I don't know. I'm not their GM. But as of right now, they would, uh, if the playoffs started today and uh, no, no more games uh, and, and it was playoffs officially started today, they would face the Tampa Bay Lightning. And let me tell you, they would be, it would be, I know the standings are there pretty close, but. Tampa Bay would whoop them. They would be bounced in four or five games, and it wouldn't even be a close contest. So they really need to. They really need to uh, make a move or two in order to bolster this team if they ever want to get out of the first round. Because Leafs fans, I, I asked that they've had the longest drought for the uh, NHL uh, Stanley Cup. So they they keep suffering year after year, and with all this offensive talent, you know you can't you got to fix the other areas of this team in order to. Uh, you know what? It not even win the cup this year just to get out of the first round. Get over that damn hump. So there's that. 
And then we'll talk about even more of the game itself. Um, not necessarily the score. Buffalo, we'll get into Buffalo in a little bit. But the uh, incident between uh, Austin Matthews when he got a two-game suspension for his cross-check on uh, Rasmus Dahlin. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm not mad the about... I, well, I am mad about the suspension. And here's why. It's just they're so incons- the inconsistencies of the NHL calling what's a suspension and what's not a suspension. It really uh, does bother me. So you're telling me that after he gets cross-checked, because Darlene did deliver one too, and I guess Matthews, because it was around the facial area, it, it was more deserving of a penalty, which is fine. But he gets a two-game suspension for a cross-check that, that brazed his face? I don't think so. That that shouldn't be uh, that shouldn't be uh, what's it called uh, a, a suspendable play, and I'll tell you why. So I'll I'll, t- I'll put my own bias into it. The last I I'm the huge Rangers fan, so obviously we all know who Rangers fans hates more than anyone in, in the game right now, and that's Tom Wilson. So here's what I have to say about that. Remember the uh, incident last year with Wilson? I'm I'm pretty sure we all do. How did Tom Wilson not get one game for a suspension? After he punched uh, Buchnevich with his head down on the ice, and he su- and he sucker punched him. If you ever, if you go back and watch that video, he suckered him while he was on the ice, or and, and then he ragdolled Artemi Panarin and injured him for the rest of the year. So that gets zero games worth of suspension. But a, a cross, a, a small cross check, which was a penalty. Matthews took a penalty. He was frustrated with Dahlin because they were battling with each other. Um, but that gets a penalty. But the Wilson incident doesn't. So that's what I mean about the standards. There's no set standard in uh, what's in in hockey right now. It's kind of, you know, guess and tell, which we are going to actually talk about some of these uh, NHL refs moments because it, it has been a little ridiculous. But the NHL, uh, I, I don't understand what constitutes a suspension anymore or what constitutes a... Uh, a penalty there's no there's no standard there's no consistency and it's kind of you know that'll draw away fans you know if you keep getting player especially star players suspended over they, they they like how how are they supposed to play the game the correct way if they don't even know what's uh a, a, a suspendable play or a penalized play because nothing's ever called the same and, and it needs to be and i'm not saying they're, they're going to get it perfect every time but there needs to be more of a consistency within these games so there was there was that uh that came out of the game but like I said the Leafs uh you know besides the Matthews he'll he'll come back obviously but you know the the, the defense is soft the goaltending soft and let me tell you Kyle Dubas is the general manager that's going to be on the hot seat he is if he gets another first round exit I'd say he's gone after this year he's had his tenure with this team how long has he been with the team now I believe it's been what he's he had he's had to be there more than five years now, has he? If I'm not mistaken, I know he's a young guy, but when did he start with this team? He started, so I I do want to give you the correct information. He started from 28. Oh no, never mind. It's still still 2018. But that's uh that he took over for Lou Lamorello in 2018. So I it's his fourth. Well, this is gonna be his fourth year. So twenty, yeah, it's gonna be his fourth year basically, and you're telling me he's got nothing to show for it but a bunch of first round exits. Yeah, I think uh, the general manager change should, if the Leafs fail again this year, 
I believe that uh, Kyle Dubas should be on his way out of here. So we're not done enough about the uh, soft Maple Leafs, the uh, Toronto Maple Laughs. We can uh, talk a little bit about Buffalo. I know uh, Buffalo's not going to be a playoff team. I'm not suggesting that. But, oh, before, actually, I did want to go back into Peter Mrazek. For those who don't believe me how bad he is, Peter Mrazek has the... I found an interesting interesting stat here. Peter Mrazek has the second-worst save percentage for any goalie that's played at least 13 games this year. So that's how bad uh, Peter Mrazek is... Uh, Fallen and he's and he's getting outplayed by this AHL guy Eric Halgren who they brought up, so he's going to be buried amongst the depth chart. So the Leafs fans can somehow move off his uh, uh move him off. That that'd be good for them. Anyway, we'll move on a little into the Buffalo Sabers and they're having a much better year for once. Congrats, fan. Uh, Buffalo has been it's been tough to uh it's been tough that that fan base is always rocking and packed. And they always, they've gone through some tough years, tough, tough years. They haven't been a good team since I was a little kid. That that's how we're that's how long we're talking back. It's been a decade of failure, but for once they seem to be going in the right direction with youth. All right, they do have some young players who I do want to get a little bit into. The first guy is Alex Tuck, the the man they brought in from uh, the Jack Eichel trade, who they actually just played him recently, and they he did not get a very happy reception. And and the post game comments were pretty funny, for anyone that didn't hear it. But anyway, moving off Jack Eichel, he's no longer a Buffalo. But Alex Tuck is, he's their uh, he's going to be their future guy. He a bigger forward actually. He's six four two seventeen. Buffalo has some size up front. He's got twenty four points in his first twenty eight games with the Buffalo Sabers. And I always thought this guy could uh, has a scoring touch to him. He's a good, you know, he drives to the net. He he gets he battles in the corners. He's not really that, uh, you know, he doesn't have, like, the, the wicked shot or, like, the wicked hands. But he always finds a way to uh, battle for a goal. He's got, this year, he's got eight goals in uh, 28 games in Buffalo. So, good to good for him. And he, he really did start off good with Vegas, you know. Um, I, he, was, he was part of that uh, original expansion team, if I'm not mistaken, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And he did have, the first two years were pretty good. But then he... Uh, he fell off a little bit, and I guess Vegas decided, you know, and or we, he was a guy that was expendable for them for Jack Eichel. But Alex Tuck, you know, he, he's only 25 years old, so Buffalo has a pretty nice player there. And then their first-line center I love to talk about, this this kid's a big kid, Tage Thompson, 6'7", 218. He's only 24 years old. So another guy that's pretty young. He was their first. He was actually a Saint. They traded um, – I think he was in the Ryan O'Reilly deal, if I'm not mistaken, for um, and that's what who they got back. And Tage Thompson's having a pretty good uh, season. He's a big forward too. This guy will. This guy can do it all. He fights. Um, he can. He can put the puck in the net. He's got 24 goals on the year, which is his uh, career high by far. I think this is the year he's broke, kind of broken out. He was uh, he's been playing in Buffalo for most of his career. He had one half a season in St. Louis, but. You know, Buffalo is, uh, you know, he, he was, Buffalo, since they've been bad, uh, I mean, they're still kind of bad, but they're not, like, garbage anymore. They're not complete garbage. And Tage Thompson's finally broken out for 44 points in 56 games. You know, his career best before that was 14, so good job for him. And you know what? Buffalo's got some, they just have some nice young talent on the roster, which is something they haven't had in a, in a while, I'd say. Um... 
I, like we already mentioned Thompson and Tuck, but this kid Dylan Cousins is having a g- good year. Um, Peyton Krebs, the other kid they got from the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in that Jack Eichel trade, you know he's getting ta- he's getting some playing time now. And then even on defense, Rasmus Dahlin, you know he had some shaky moments last year, but he he I still think he could be their number one defenseman. He 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 has enough talent to be it. Uh, Joker Harju is playing alongside of him, alongside of him, and then they got these other two guys, Jacob Bryson and Matias Samuelson, getting valuable experience on the uh, back end. So, you know, it's good to see it. And they don't really have a, I don't really, they haven't really figured out the goalie situation right now. They got Craig Anderson, who I, I always root for Craig Anderson. That guy's a battler, but he, I don't, he's definitely not the long term solution. So, still some work to do in Buffalo. But congrats to them for uh, finally. I don't want to say they figured it out completely, but it looks like they're going in the right direction. After a long, uh, some long ten years of uh, nonsense and garbage they've put up with with that ownership, it it finally seems like they they have a sense of uh, direction. And oh my god, I'm also uh, I have uh, March Madness, the first game in the background. Michigan has come back, and it's like a one point deficit between them and Colorado State. This is why I love March Madness, baby. But anyway, the last thing from the Heritage Clash is we got to talk about these outfits they were rocking. So the Toronto Maple Leafs, I guess it's kind of a tradition now that between every Winter Classic or Heritage Classic, that people are coming in with uh, these outfits before the game. And I love it. It's great for team bonding. It's great for uh, hockey. So the Maple Leafs, they came in with the the hard hats, the orange jumpsuits, and they were carrying their lunch pails like the uh, construction workers, which I guess, you know... If they put more time into their defensive effort, maybe they would have won as much as they put time into their uh, outfit choosing. But how about Buffalo going uh, and deciding to get uh, deciding that it's not cold at all, and they're showing up in their uh, basketball uniforms from the uh, fictional Flint Tropics. From for anyone that doesn't know the uh, the team from uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell's uh, movie Semi Pro. Anyone that's never watched that movie has got to freaking watch it. With uh, what's it called? Uh, Jackie Moon, <laughs> Jack, God, uh, and anyone who hasn't seen the uh, bit with him and Clay Thompson as he's warming up with the Golden State Warriors, please check that out. I, I promote all sports here, but I think that's it was a uh, pretty neat um, to see all the uh, what all the uh, outfits, and I hope I I, I want to see the uh, the create. I love seeing the creativity of these uh, NHL players. It shows their personality, and it does show the um, the uh, effort they put into it. So. We're going to move on now, and now we're going to talk about, uh, uh, I guess uh, the fans don't like them recently, but the NHL refs, and my God, especially in the past week or two, they have been absolutely dreadful. I don't like to bash the refs, but they have been fucking garbage. These refs have been terrible. Now, I understand that it's a hard job to ref, and, you know... I, I kind of wish there was another ref on the ice to, you know, help them out. You know, baseball's got four umpires on the field. I, excuse, yeah, they got four umpires on the field. I thought I said that wrong for a sec. You know, basketball has, I believe, if it's two or three refs, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, and then uh, the NFL has a couple refs on the field as well. So the NHL only has two refs and two linesmen. So they only got... Uh, that amount on the ice, so and the refs are the ones that make the calls. The linesmen do uh they they do other I mean they make calls too, but it's uh it's different. They they're looking for other stuff. So I think a third ref should be added in the game. But 
Let me tell you, these calls have been horrible and they are affecting games, and I'll explain how. So we got a few examples here of uh, refs uh, messing it up. So Oilers fans almost got robbed uh, when they faced the Capitals a week ago, but thank God Connor McDavid uh, scored in overtime for them. I don't know uh, if anyone saw that game, but they should have. Uh, they should have never gone to overtime because Zach Hyman uh, was going to have a breakaway with the empty net, and Ovechkin hooked him, and it was not awarded any penalty. They uh, no call on the ice. And it led them to tying the uh, tying the game up and for sending it to overtime. So the Caps got a point out of that thanks to a non-call, which uh, you know at least the Oilers did win that game. So I guess technically, you know, they didn't get robbed, but still, uh, Washington doesn't deserve that point. They uh, they kind of got away with a call there. And then another incident was when uh, I believe it was last Friday, uh, or I I don't remember the day, but. I think it was th- Thursday's game. Excuse me, last Thursday, a week ago from today, we um from the Avs and Hurricanes game, and Gabriel Landeskog sounded off on these freaking refs, and he was more mad. He was sticking up for his teammate Nazem Kadri, who shouldn't have gotten uh, penalized on, on a play he believes. But he said, you know, this is the quote from Gabriel Landeskog. He said, "In eleven years, I never sat and talked about referees in a press conference ever." I think Wes McCauley and TJ Luxmore did a great job for 50-some minutes of the game. They called a high stick on Nas on Niederreiter, which might have been a high stick, but Niederreiter falls easily. We're arguing it's a flop. They'll say it's a high stick. Fair enough. Landis Scott went on to explain after that that Niederreiter got away with a hooking penalty on Kadri nearly a few minutes later but wasn't penalized. And he also implied that Kadri's uh, previous... Uh, suspensions of his like histories because he's been suspended multiple times so that his uh previous history um has affected his uh non-call um by the refs and then that wasn't the only incident don't worry there's more there is more with this um then we had the uh i i feel bad for the toronto maple leaf fans here because they got uh hosed in this game against the arizona coyotes so jacob chitron uh for anyone that didn't see this game last week he, he he held the stick of uh, Austin Matthews in overtime, and he stole the puck from him when he held the stick. Duh. It was a clear call that was missed. And they went down the ice to give a little pass, pass back to Chitron, and he one-times it in for the game winner to win it in overtime. And you could hear the Leafs' reaction just booing because they were so angry at the refs that day. And, you know... It really does suck to see because the you know the Leafs are fighting for they you know they're fighting for every point they can get because like I said they they're in a tough division so you know they're trying to not face the uh, toughest teams but it doesn't help when the refs are against you so um, they're I understand the refs make mistakes but they're uh, what's it called not uh, having a great year and even uh, and this isn't even in the recent week I should say I remember the um, Rod Rendemore incident when it was back in December when he got uh he got fined for inappropriate conduct but you know with the hurricanes uh I'm it, it, I forgot who the hurricanes were playing I think it was Washington if I'm not mistaken and it was and it's a, that's a divisional rivalry game so that affects it and the hurricanes they were on the penalty and there was a penalty on um their kid, that kid Seth Jarvis and it what's it called then they uh then there was a uh, a slashing call on Sebastian Ajo just because one of the Capitals players broke their stick. 
which gave him a two-minute advantage uh, late in late in the game, which I guess affect. I, I don't remember if Washington won that. I believe they did, but you know he got a fine for inappropriate conduct. But you know what? If if uh, what's it called? If there's inconsistencies in the game, like I said, this wouldn't be happening. All people have to do is just call a consistent and fair game. So I'd say that. You know, players don't like being uh, penalized. They don't want penalties. But in terms of the fan perspective, if the refs want to make them happy, start fucking calling penalties. You know why? Because it, it doesn't matter. I, I understand the uh, the shift could um, momentum the game. Either start calling penalties or don't call penalties because it, you got to call it consistently. And it's gonna it's gonna it affects games. It affects these standings. I don't think the referees are. Uh, Getting that, and and there are some good referees out there. Like, you know, there are some veteran refs, and there that are even making mistakes. Guys like uh, Mark Jeanette, Dean Morton, Tim Peel, uh, Wes McCauley, everyone's favorite ref, Wes McCauley. Um, you know, these are these are even the guys that are making the big uh, decisions, ba- making the big mistakes. So, and I'm not saying they're uh, bad refs or anything. I, I, I'm. It's not an easy job to ref these games. You know, they're. You, you know, some of them have gone done this for years. Some of them are retiring after this year. And I, have, I do see the videos of uh, teams uh, congratulating these refs, which I think is a very classy part on them. But these refs got, you know, you can't be making this many mistakes and this many controversial uh, calls in games. It really, it really does affect um, the standings, the, the team play, momentum in games. And, and you just got to be more careful. You got to be more alert. So not a good uh, look for the NHL refs. And now I guess the uh, final topic, a bit of a small topic. It was a heartwarming topic, if you ask me, and that's why I put it in there. So the Iron Man streak of Phil Kessel, it is not going anywhere. Not even the birth of his child jeopardized the streak. Um, I love the move by the Arizona Coyotes. They allowed Phil Kessel to play in uh, the game. Uh, he, uh, not the game. He played one shift to keep the streak going. And then as soon as he uh, played that shift, he ran off the ice. And the Coyotes uh, allowed him to. Uh, I think the Coyotes owner Alex Morell. They set up a, his own flight, and he returned to Arizona just in time to uh, see his uh, girl, uh, see his girlfriend and his uh, new uh, uh, child, which I believe he had a daughter. So congrats to Phil Kessel for uh, not only keeping the uh, Iron Man streak, but being a father. So that's pretty cool. And Kessel actually wanted to play the whole game. But the head coach uh, encouraged him to fly home, and he and he basically said like uh, there are some things that are more important than hockey, and I agree. The uh, birth of a kid is one of those things. So um, it was really a classy move by the the Arizona coaching staff, the ownership, to allow Phil Kessel to keep the streak alive, but also to uh, see the birth of his kid. So kudos to Phil Kessel, and he still and he still got the streak going. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's actually it's I I said this uh, when Keith Yandel did it because he's still the active and. Uh, all-time uh, leader for uh, the Ironman streak. So Keith Yandel's at first place and still currently at 978. Doug Jarvis is at 964. And then Phil Kessel is right behind nine at, uh, Doug Jarvis at 956. So he will break that this year if he does uh, continue his streak or is expected to break it. But basically, the uh, Ironman uh, leader, I don't know, he's going to... Um, it's whoever cracks first between uh, Yandel and uh, Kessel because neither of these guys are slowing down and they refuse to uh, not play another game. So I don't. Uh, they refuse to uh, not uh, miss an, miss any games. So 
it's going to be a good battle between uh, Ka- uh, Keith Yandel and um, Phil Kessel. So we'll see who uh, cracks first. But I don't know if that either of those streaks would be broken for a long, long time. I don't think there's anyone even close in the uh, the 900s, uh, if I'm not mistaken. No, I don't. There, there's not even anyone near like 600 or 700. So. You know, the the guys after them are, like, all retired. Uh, I see uh, on the list Gary Unger at 914, Marlowe's at 910, Larmer's at 884, Andrew Cogliano's at 830. There's a couple guys. Hank Sedin's down there, like, 679. But no active guys but uh, except Yandel and Kessel. So I hope everyone enjoyed uh, this week's episode, a much longer episode, a full episode, actually. No, uh, I, I just checked now. No audio files uh, dropped, no frames dropped. So that's a good sign. Um, we're gonna next week. We're definitely gonna talk about the trade deadline. We're gonna talk about these playoff races that are heating up, and we'll see what else hockey has to bring us. Uh, pay attention to the other sports because uh, those off seasons are still busy as hell. Um, and baseball will be starting in April, so we have that to look forward to. And plus, uh, March Madness is going on right now, and Michigan is taking over Colorado State in the first game. So wow, there's some other games that started too, like Providence and uh, San Diego State and Memphis and Boise. But it's a whole, uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon for March Madness. So we'll see who comes out. We'll be uh, back with episode 12 next week. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Hope everyone gets fucking hammered tonight. All right, I know I will be. So take it easy, everyone, and let's get drunk.